remix at the end, let me know he's coming up, so it's always good to hear. Um, good morning. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I felt obliged to say when Mark was welcoming the visitors, I wanted to apologize that you have a pinch hitter instead of uh, the normal cleanup guy. Uh, that's a sports reference, sorry, that's uh, what I'm into. Uh, just to, to get something out of the way, um, I'm going to sweat. I just want to say that to get it out there. I shaved my head this morning, so when I do that, I need a hot shower. And so when I get up here, the lights are bright, and I'm going to sweat. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Uh, but before we dig into the Word, I wanted to tell you a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a missionary athlete with the Saints Prison Ministry, and most of you guys that are um, home to this church know that. This is my thir- 13th season, excuse me, ministering with the Saints, and we've traveled all over the country, ministered inside of prisons, and we share the gospel with inmates, and that's where I believe uh, that God has called me. I believe he, uh, it's funny, I believe he put me on this earth to do that. That's what I really believe uh, my calling is to do in life. And uh, I found uh, great things uh, embracing that calling. And um, more than sh- telling you about it, I wanted to show you a small glimpse of it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went on a tour of the state of Ohio. We uh, ministered in, I think, seven or eight different prisons. And uh, the Cleveland uh, branch of the ABC News came to one of the prisons we were in. So I just wanted to show you a brief clip of how uh, God's name was lifted up um, through the news and uh, and word of our visit. So I just want to show you a brief clip. Recently, I went to Lake Erie Correctional Institution. There was a group of men there visiting and trying to change lives for those who took a wrong turn in life. We wake up to these fences every day and just be able to laugh and enjoy an hour of our day, it made a, just makes a huge difference in your life. Sean Hutchings does not have freedom. Neither does Jason Jendel. I was an addict. I needed this time to, to find my life and find a way. What they have is sports. For an hour or two a day, you're able to take your mind out of being in here. This is Lake Erie Correctional Institution. There are good people here. You know, there's people trying to change their life. A prison. Society itself, once we commit a crime, uh, they, they, they just look at the crime. They don't look at the person. Let's go. That's where the saints come in. An athletic team traveling the country to play against inmates. My wife always says, you know what? You, you are more alive when you're playing with the saints. I have a blast here. We're joking back and forth on the, on the field with them, and um, afterwards, uh, you know, hearing about their families and their stories and, and why they do it. Do you say we pray, man? They do it because they're the Saints' prison ministry. Jesus said there's going to be three people groups that are easily forgotten. Don't you dare forget them. And that's the widows, the orphans, and the men in prison. Missionaries delivering their religious messages right on the playing field. Did you get one of these already? About 10% of the guys at a correctional institution will go to a religious service. 90% will go to an athletic event. We gave out 400 Gospels of John. I probably one of the least religious people you know, but I listen. Maybe there's something I can learn from them. Did you learn anything today? Well, mostly I learned that there's, there's you know, there's people out there that care. Well, the Saints can't unlock these inmates from the barriers that confine them. They do offer the key that helps free these inmates from their own despair. There's hope for me in the future when I leave here. And the hope is that, that there's people out there that will give you a chance? Yeah, give me a chance. Just give me a chance. That's all I ask for.
so that you guys can get a little picture into what we do. It always helps because when you tell people you're going to prison, they don't always have an idea of what's going on. And I believe that what that guy said at the end, he doesn't consider himself to be a religious person, but it's that hope of a chance. And isn't that what God, isn't that what God gave us? He gave us hope through a chance through his son, Jesus. And so uh, months ago, Mark told me he was going to be away this week, and he asked uh, if I could speak today. And I didn't know my saint schedule, but I was actually away yesterday. I was in um, two prisons in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, about three hours away. And uh, I just want to tell you a brief story before I dig into the word. Um, it's a place that I've been to many times. Uh, it's one of the bigger state prisons in Pennsylvania. And um, luckily for me, I play third base, and so the place we were in yesterday the crowd was on the third baseline. And so, uh, like I said, the population of the prison is about 2,000 people. Uh, we handed about, out about 500 pieces of gospel literature. And so the breakdown of the field, the majority of the folks were literally 15 feet from me. And they're just there. And for those of you that know me will um, not be surprised that I get into a little bit of a back and forth. I'm not that shy. And so there's a lot of jawing in prison. There's a lot of talk because prison life, I mean, strength is how they get by. They want to intimidate you. They want to break you down. And so, um, a little disclaimer, I stick out on my team not just because I'm handsome and bald, but because uh, I'm the only uh, one of the brown persuasion. And in, in prison, um, you know, it's a mixed crowd. So I have some Dominican guys that are speaking to me in Spanish because they think I'm Dominican I got some guys riding me because they see that I'm brown and so are they. And I got just guys wanting to give me a hard time right next to me. I mean, right next to me. And I'm playing third base. And so I make a play and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you see what I'm about. And you see how good I am. And then I get up to bat and I ground out. So they're all over me. I get up to bat again and I ground out. They're all over me. And so, like, now I've got this really good back and forth going. Unfortunately, I'm on the wrong end of it. And then I'm playing third base, and look, I, I'm 13 years into this, you know, when I was 23, 24, I mean, my reflexes are way better. I'm playing yesterday, I'm at a, a tough 35 right now, and a rocket is coming right at me. And um, I no longer wear protective gear, I probably should. And so I, I literally just move out of the way. I just move out of the way. <laughs> and give it a little olay, I try, I mean, I made it look, I'm one, I was a Division I athlete, so I know how to make it look good. But I just, I'm telling you straight up, I just move. I just get out of the way. And so they're all over me. Now it is pandemonium. And, and literally, it's 300 men, big, burly prison men in my ear right here. So after that, I get up. And the state of Pennsylvania is a little different because of prison violence. They don't let loose bats in the yard. They, we used to be able there to, to go there and bring in our own bats. We can't do that anymore. So the bat literally has a, a metal knob on the end and a tether. So for regular softball players, it takes some getting used to. And so uh, yesterday, I, I couldn't hit in the beginning. Well, finally, I got a hold of one, and I, I got a triple. And to look at me and to think that I made it from home to third, I mean, that's, I hit it a long ways. And so by the nature of the fun I was having with the third base, like he was acting like he was walking away. He was doing the hidden ball trick, and I was doing a little dance. Well, at some, at some point in time, the umpire called time, and I didn't know, and I was just having fun. But... Even if he called time, what's so significant? So I'm still messing around with the guy on third base. And then out of nowhere, the umpire's like, that's it, you're out. Well, I'm wondering who in the world he's talking to. He's talking to me. And he says, you, you're out. You stepped off the base. 
after I call time. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Well, he goes, you're out. And then I realize he's dead serious. And so now I'm stranded on third base. I'm out, and the inning's over. Well, you would have thought these folks won the World Series. It just erupted. They were all over me. And I got a little exercise. I had fun, but I was just like, but I would have never done that if I would have known the rules. And in prison, you might be surprised. They might fashion the rules so that they get ahead. And they might have been upset that I wasn't intimidated by them and we were winning. And I, they called me out for no good reason. And I thought it was funny. Well, later I thought it was funny. In the moment, I was pretty upset. And, that, and yesterday, when, um, when I was asked to go, I was asked to share the gospel. And so after I was called out, I was upset. I had a back and forth with the umpire. I said, and I said after the inning, I said real loud for all the whole yard to hear, um, that's it. I'm not saying another word. I get you guys are on to me. That's it. Knowing I was given the gospel. And so after that, um, we, and we just share right there in the yard. You saw on the video. We put down the microphone. Somebody gave their testimony. And it's my turn to give the gospel. And I just said, hey, look, we've had a lot of fun today, but I just need three minutes of your time. And it was a unique situation because uh, movement was about to happen and all the guys were about to go in. And so uh, our coach says to me, he's like, look, you got two minutes. I asked for three and they gave me five, but they only told us originally we had two. So I said, I need three minutes of your time. I want you to know that uh, I woke up at 630 in the morning. I left my wife and family at home. My middle daughter had a, a summer play that I missed, and I, I wanted them to know that I came there for those three minutes. And I had a, a gospel message prepared, but I, I found it amazing how God could use that interaction that I had. And I said, hey, look, I want to talk to you about consequences. The consequence of me stepping off the base was that I was out. I don't like that consequence. I don't agree with that consequence. But the consequence is you called me out. My hit didn't count, and I was out. And I so quickly turned that, the Lord turned that in through me to the consequence of sin. And sin has an eternal consequence, and that's separation from a holy God. And for as loud and as raucous as it was for, those, uh, time pri- for that time prior, it got dead silent. Dead silent. 300 guys, I'm looking right at them. Dead silent. I said, there's a consequence for your sin. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about yesterday how something that I was so angry at, God used as a message, and that there's a consequence for sin, an eternal one, an eternal one. And that's how um, the gospel message went yesterday. Uh, Out of those men that received uh, gospel literature and heard uh, me speak yesterday, seven of them came to know the Lord. So it was just amazing how something like that... Something silly and fun can be used for eternal glory. And that's what we're about. Um, We're just, like I said, volunteer missionary athletes. We raise support. Um, I still need some if you feel called or led to support me. Um, But that's that's who we are. That's what we do. And I want to talk about a passage um, that has to do with, I believe, prison ministry. And so, you know, leading up, like I said, it was months uh, before I knew that I was going to share and I have two um, very unique jobs in, in my life. One, I'm on the New Jersey State Parole Board, so I'm in prison every, every week, four days a week, so I'm in prison a lot. Second one is I'm an elected official here in Gloucester County, and I'm, I'm dealing with government. Um, it's really 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
And so I get a lot of news. I get a lot of stuff coming to me. On the parole board side, I hear about a prison life and prison riots and what folks do on the streets and what crimes are committed and whether or not they're under our supervision. County government, um, I have the health department. So right now in our area, I'm sure you know that, I mean, we have uh, literally people are dying left and right. There is a drug epidemic that is just literally just killing people. We have, this is my third year in elected office, we have lost more people this year than all of my first year in 2015, and we're, all, we're only in August. So in the first, it happened, actually, we passed the 2015 mark in July. So in the first six and a half months, we lost more folks to drugs than all of 2015. So I'm just bombarded with a lot of unhappy news a lot of time, and it's just parsing through that and seeing where my place is uh, in all of that. And then, uh, you know, I believe God turned um, things upside down that while we were in prison, kind of all hell broke loose yesterday. I, was, I had, was in ministry mode, and I was sharing the gospel, and then a lot of stuff happened that I probably don't fully all know, but I just know that there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of, of stuff going on. And so I believe I'm going to today implore believers. I'm going to talk to believers because I believe we have a role in this insanity. I believe that we have a calling in this world to set us up for the next one. So today I'm going to open up the word uh, to Matthew 25. I'm going to give you a second to get there. It's verses 31 to 46. And just a, a brief little aside, just in the course of all that insanity that I was naming, isn't it good to know that greater is he that is in me than he is in the world? That's a, that's a good feeling to have to know that our Lord overcame the world. We're in a world that's crazy. But he, we know that he already won. So we don't have to go through life downtrodden and upset. We have victory. And if you're a believer, you know that and embrace it. That's a good thing in the face of all this turmoil and trouble. We can be salt and light to people that can see in the midst of the storm we have peace. So I'm going to uh, read Matthew 25 today. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or in need of clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat, and I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. 
They will answer, Lord, when did you, we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these you did, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's powerful to me. It's a powerful picture. And because as Mark uh, spoke about, there's a lot of division going on right now. And I just want to talk about the division we see here. We see sheep on one side, goats on the other. But in life, there's really only one thing that separates us. There's really only one thing. And that's whether you know Jesus or whether you don't. It's whether you know Jesus or whether you don't. See, this world is going to separate us in every which way. Black, white, political affiliation, how you feel about the Eagles and the Cowboys. That's a real spiritual one because, <laughs> whew. But this world will divide us up in every which way. I don't like to often talk about our enemy because, like I said, I believe he's a defeated foe. But we should know his trick to divide and conquer. So when the world wants to move us into different groups and shake us down and to move us in a way where we're propped up against each other, we should know that that's his game, that's his trick, and not fall in. Division only really is, because how long are we on earth? Maybe 80 years. Maybe if you're lucky, 80 years. Maybe 90. My grandpa is 92. Praise the Lord, he's still going strong. But we don't have a long time here on earth. So eternity is where we're called to. So if you think about eternity, there's only, there's two places. It's heaven and it's hell. My heart is broken because of how much division we see here on earth. And the first challenge I'm going to give to you today as a believer is what are we doing to promote unity? What are we doing to promote unity with other believers? And what are we doing to bring more people with us to our eternal home? Because if you think about it, the scope of when we're here as opposed to when we're there, we do so much that has to do with only this life. So much of our life is just concentrated on what happens here. But we're going to spend a whole heck of a lot more time there. And that's going to be real division. There's going to be sheep and there's going to be goats. And one's going to heaven and one's not. So if the majority of our time is going to be in eternity, shouldn't our life here reflect that? Shouldn't our life look like that we're preparing to go to a place where we're going to spend eternity with an almighty God? See, we got this division thing all wrong. We sometimes, I'll admit, sometimes we play into these divisions. It's natural. It's a part, we're a part of this world. I fall into it too. I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm going to run for elected office. I have to pick a side. I pick the side, and this world wants to drag me into these political fights. But look, I'm not meant for this world. I'll do it. I'll run. But my hope's not in that. My hope's in Jesus. So is our life as a believer, is your life pointing people to an eternity with Jesus? 
by your words, by your actions, do people see that you have an eternal home with Jesus Christ? I don't know where you stand right now with the Lord. I don't know what you're doing in your life. The Lord laid out in Matthew 25 some areas where people need help. If you, to me, you have to know somebody that fits one of those criteria. You have to know someone that fits in there. Right now, think. We've got to do more for those people. We've got to do more in our community, in our family. The toughest people for me to minister are people I'm related to. Because they know my warts. They know what's really going on in here. But you know what? How can I go three hours away and minister in a prison if I'm not ministering at home? If I'm not a witness to my wife and kids, my mom, my brother, they need Jesus. I'm called to be with them on a more intimate basis. They need to see Jesus in me more than those inmates that I'll, I won't see again for a long time. Believers, we have a calling. That calling is to show Christ to people, to show where our faith is. If our faith is in Jesus, it's more than just, hey, I have this ticket to eternal glory and I'm going to cash it in once I die. It should be that a life that's been transformed by an interaction with Jesus Christ, an acknowledgement Let's just keep it all the way real. I'll be all the way real with you. Whatever you don't like about what happened yesterday, I need to be honest that without Jesus, I'm worse than the worst one of them you saw on the news. Let's be real, folks. There's nothing redeeming about us outside of Christ. Sometimes we, we get ourselves into this worldly mentality that if we get dressed up and go to church and put a smile on, that we're okay. Outside of Christ, we're not. That's not a very popular thing to say because you know, the American way is you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you work hard, you can do anything. You can't do nothing without Jesus. By the power of the word, John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. We're nothing without Christ. We're nothing. That's my first point. Second point. Some people mistake this passage as sometimes it, if you do enough for people, you'll be all right when salvation comes. I don't want to get this twisted. It is by faith that we are saved and not by works. The point that people miss about this passage is salvation isn't the cause. I mean, works aren't the cause for salvation, but they're the effect. They're the effect of having a life that's been saved. It's not the cause. We don't get saved by doing these things. I'm not saved because I minister in prison. That's a reflection of what's happened in my life. So don't think if you go around doing good works, well, I, I, I fed the needy, I clothed the, uh, those that didn't have clothes, I visited some people that were sick, I should be good. It's not the works. It's what's behind it. It's what happened before that you realize God poured out his love on you and then as, as a result, you want to do those things. That, to me, that's what Jesus is saying. If you've had that relationship, if you've had that encounter, then you will be motivated to go do them. It's not the cause, it's the effect. See, some, we like tangible, quick results. We like that. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We like to see results. So if I do X, Y, and Z, I'll know I'll get heaven. No, that's not it, folks. We can't work our way there. We're going to fall short. 
It's only by a relationship. It's only by having that daily interaction with Jesus that you can go do those things and that they will have eternal value. First things first was, hey, there's only one thing that truly separates us, and that's where we're going to spend eternity, whether we're with Jesus or whether we're without him. Second thing is, don't misunderstand this passage. It's not the works. Works aren't what's going to bring us home. They're the effect of having an encounter with Jesus. I'm sweating up here, but I, I love being in church. I love being in church. I say some things sometimes that, I mean, part of me feels radi- that are radical. Like I said, I'm a, uh, in this life, uh, I, I work in the area of politics. And earlier I said, look, my hope is not there. Look, if, if the people that I run with, if my handlers knew that I was out here and I had a crowd in front of me, and I said, that's not where my hope is, they would think I was nuts. Because to them, it takes up so much of their life. My hope isn't in that. It's something I do. My hope is only in Jesus. And folks, my calling today is to believers, it's, it's now it's our time. It's our time to step up. Every believer here knows, I would say, at least five people that don't know Jesus. Everybody in here at least knows five people that don't know Jesus. Heck, today, you might be here and you might not know Jesus. But for believers, everyone here knows someone that doesn't know the Lord. You know, it's funny. Sometimes we live in this compartmentalized society. I take my car to the mechanic, mechanic will fix it. I take my kids to school, the school will fix it. If I have a problem with the government, call those people, they'll fix it. If I need something, somebody else will do it for me. If I bring my friends to church, Pastor Mark will, they, he'll give them the gospel. I, I just need to get them here. Mark will give them the gospel. I don't need to teach my kids a certain way. I've got Matt and Dave to show them the way. Folks, it's on us. It's our calling. And how then would the world change if we all start living it out? I, during worship, I was ready to jump out of my skin. I'm so excited. Because I've seen God move a lot in these last few weeks, and I've witnessed it with my own eyes, and I've been overwhelmed with my own heart. But the more I see that in my own life, and the more I see that in ministry, the world is literally falling apart around us. But to me, I I think there should be a pivot for believers. That just means that people are getting to a point where they're going to realize they need Jesus. The, The need is great. If things were going smooth, I think we'd have a bigger problem. I don't know how else to say it. But if people were okay, they'd be like, I don't need Jesus. I'm fine. Yo, people aren't fine. People are broken. And I feel like the church has done a little disservice. I I don't mean to offend anyone. Maybe I do. But I don't feel like as as a body of believers, we live in a way that shows that with Jesus, you can be okay. We should be different. Look, we're not going to be perfect. You want to, yeah, if, I, if you ever thought that that was my intention to show you, ask my wife. She's in the second row. I'm so far from perfect, it's nuts. 
I am so far from perfect. But there's only one thing I can say to you. I realized I was headed to hell forever. I want that to, to grip your soul. If you know Jesus, that means you acknowledge the work he did on the cross. The fact that he rose again is your only way, John 14, 6. It's, it's it. That's the only way. And that realization, that interaction with Christ, and my, the gifts he gave me, I can't do much. I can talk and like I have a good time, but I can't do much. I'm not much. He gave me a gift to go play softball, a gift to interact with people. And he says, yo, use that for me, Jim. Use that for me. Tell people that you're here to spread the love of Jesus. Folks, I don't know what your gifts are. I don't know your circle. But what I'm going to ask you to do is use what you've got to affect the world for Christ. We got to live like we're on top. We've, God has overcome this world. So too many times to me, believers, oh, the world's getting worse. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. Uh, It's just getting bad. It's bad out here. It's bad. Can you believe what happened? It's so bad. You're darn right it's bad. He told us it was going to get bad, but he's good. And we've got to live like we have him. I'm so tired of seeing people. How how is the world going to see something in us that that they want? If we live like we lost, we won. We have Jesus. Don't clap because you're just going to get me going. Don't clap. Don't clap. You're just going to get me going. I was raised a Baptist. I I mean, luckily for you guys, we got the 11 o'clock shut off. I'll get you out by 11. I don't know when. I'll get you out by 11. I feel bad for those other guys because I could just go. There's no football, so I could just go all day. Folks, I, don't, I honestly, in my heart, don't mean to offend you. I really don't. But as a body of believers, we've got to live like we have the answer. It's imperative. And I don't mean to, to put Mark on the spot, but it's not Mark's job to save all of our friends. It's not Mark's job to sit here and save the world. Like If we get them to hope, Mark will do the rest through the Lord, obviously through the Lord. But no, it's not him. Yo, you have skin in this game. He gave you a testimony. If you're a believer, if you've had that interaction with Christ, you know your story. I don't. Share it. Be of a witness to someone else. Let them know what happened inside of you. And the Bible gives us clear examples of how we can't, it doesn't have to be just words. We can meet people where they're at. It's another place that the, the church struggles. I'm sorry that I'm calling the church out, but that's another place we struggle. Too often when we meet people where they are, we tell them how wrong they are. The church does a great job of telling people how wrong they are. Our, our ministry is celebrating 30 years this year, 30 years of spreading the gospel all over this country inside of prisons. I, I tell you honestly, we wouldn't have lasted 30 days if we went inside a prison and said, you know, you guys are so awful, you need Jesus. We wouldn't have lasted 30 minutes. But sometimes, I'm just going to be candid as I can. And if you have a problem with it, tell Mark. It's all his fault. 
sometimes the church will tell people how wrong they are. Hey, look, you're in the spot you're in because you did X, Y, and Z. Folks, I want to give you a newsflash. They know it on the inside. You know, they know it on the inside that they've messed up. What they need to know is they're not too far gone, that God still loves them, and God sent you to them to be a picture of that love. That's what they need to know. They don't need to know where they've screwed up because they know it. They know they've done wrong. You don't think those guys in prison know that they screwed up? You know what they're shocked by? A guy who has no criminal record, the guy that has a family and kids in New Jersey, got in the van and drove three hours just to tell them that God loves them. They're shocked by it. They're blown away. When folks are in need of Jesus, it's not, as, as you read here, Jesus didn't say, go and minister them, tell them, and set all their ways straight. He said, no, go meet their needs. Go be a witness to them by helping them. That's where the power is. We don't need to tell everybody how they messed up. Let God do it. Let the Holy Spirit convict. That's not our calling. What what does Jesus call us to in this passage? He calls us to meet needs. That's it. That's how people will know that the effect of your relationship with Jesus is ministering to them. That's how they'll know. Meet their needs. There's only really two things that separate us, whether we have Jesus, whether we don't. Works don't save us. And when you meet someone's need, you don't have to go in condemnation. You can just go. When you go to meet someone's need, just go. And my, my final point today was, will, is going to be, This is another one that's radical for somebody who's a missionary that relies on people's support. Don't pray it away and don't pay it away. Don't pray it away and don't pay it away. Far too often, it's so easy to say, hey, look, what you're doing is great. I'm going to pray for you. Hey, Jim, what you're doing is great inside those prisons. I'm going to give you some support. Now, that does sound like a complete, I, I I, I totally contradicted myself. In the beginning, I asked for your support because I need it. But now I'm telling you, don't pay it away. This is why. Because God has given you a calling. He's given you a place to minister to. Don't be okay with just sending someone else support. Don't be okay with just praying for someone else. Folks, it's time for us to get in the game. Folks, it's time for us to get in the game. Don't feel like you've met your calling by sending some money to somebody else. Those people need your money. Don't get me wrong. They need your money, they need your prayers, and so do I, so if you want to help me, please do. But don't sit it out. It's time to play the game. It's time to get in the game. I'm so struggling right now because church is just another thing we do. I don't say this to brag or to make it seem like I'm different or better than anyone else. My life's pretty busy. My life's pretty busy. i got two jobs, three kids, a wife, a house. i got a lot going on, a ministry. It's real easy to say, you know what, I'm going to sit some of this stuff out. I'm just going to let other people handle it. What am I here for if I'm just sitting it out? Uh, Jesus certainly didn't sit it out on the cross. He got engaged. He took on the weight of the world out of love. So out of love, what are we going to do? Pray for those people that are going to minister somewhere else for somebody else. 
give them support so they can do it? Or are we going to get in the game? Folks, I believe this world is dark. I believe the, the world without Christ is hopeless. What more do we need to see or hear to be encouraged to go minister? Like I said, right now in your mind, you can think of at least five people that need Christ. It's funny, in my, in my day job on the parole board, I have a partner. She drives me nuts. In the flesh, I can't stand her. She is a thorn in my side, as the Bible says. But I've got to deal with her each and every day. You don't think the Lord's trying to show me something? You don't think the Lord's trying to get to me and say, hey, look, Jim, you just can't minister to people you like. Uh, I mean, I, I tr you travel the country, but you got someone at work, you literally go on and on about how you can't stand them. Yo, guess what? I died for them, too. Okay, so now it's on Jim, too. So now I've got people in my head that I'm thinking about. So there's people I need to share Christ with, but there's also people I need to meet their needs right where they are. My wife, my kids, my loved ones. Yo, it's a dual calling. You've got to support the ones you love, and you've got to share the love of Christ. I'm sorry if you thought you were going to hear, hear some, hey, God loves you, it's a great day, praise the Lord. Like, it, to me, this is not an everyday message. We've got to get engaged, folks. We've got the answer. Uh, maybe not everybody can remember when they came to know Christ. I can't. I was eight years old. I can't. I remember it was at Awana, or I remember, I remember somewhat saying, you know what, I, I know that I've messed up. I know that I do wrong. And I remember that. I remember vaguely. Folks, if you could, in the stillness of this moment, can you remember what it was like those first days when you came to know Christ? Can you remember that feeling? People talk about it being on fire. Can you remember that? Man, that feeling's like no other. Folks, we've got to catch some heat. We've got to get on fire. What's stopping us? Well, the monotony of life is. It's so easy. Just, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll go to church and I'll pray for people. Yeah, how's the world going with us living like that? The sad part is the church isn't viewed as a place for help too much. We've got to change our perception. We've got to meet people where they are without telling them how awful they are. Because if you do remember when you did come to know the Lord, I'll venture to say nobody was telling you how awful you were. I don't know everybody's salvation story, but I'll venture to say you didn't come to the Lord after people told you how awful your sin was and how wrong you were. No, it's just an acknowledgement that sin has a consequence. Just like the, the, the scenario I laid out for those men yesterday. There's an action and there's a consequence. There's sin and there's separation. Before we think we're better than people, know that our sin is separating us from a holy God. That we had, uh, we had come to accept Jesus and that's the only way that we're going to make it to heaven. And if you tie it into what Mark said last week, if you realize you've been forgiven much, won't that motivate you to get in the game? 
I've been forgiven for a whole lot. Maybe that's why I want to go so far. Because I've done a lot wrong. And the Lord has forgiven me much. So I've got a lot to say. Uh, I'm not a betting man, but I I'm bet you have too. I'll bet that you've been forgiven a lot too. But is what we've been forgiven match what we're doing for the cause of Christ? I don't mean to offend. Maybe I do. I should stop saying that. Maybe I don't mean to offend you. Maybe I do. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, come on. Maybe we need a shot in the arm. That's what God has put on my heart. I wanted to touch a few points. I believe the song that's going to be sung today is going to minister to you in the same way. While you're listening to this song, maybe you need to think of those five people. Maybe it's more than five. Outside of people you could actually verbally witness to, maybe you need to think about the people you can meet in their need. But folks, we got to have a game plan here. we got to figure out where we need to be and what we need to do. Jesus was active. Jesus was engaged. And he gave us that same power to go. Let's go. Let's do it. If you don't know Jesus today, know that he loves you. Know that you're here for a reason. You're here to know that regardless of what you've done, there's a path for you to get to heaven. If you want to know more about that path, talk to one of us. Talk to me. Talk to Mark. Talk to Dave. Talk to an elder. If you don't know Jesus today, don't leave here without getting right with him. But if you do know Jesus, it's time to get in the game.